This is Living Lean, the show that teaches you how to apply the science of nutrition and training to sustainably create your leanest, strongest body and build the most confident version of yourself. I'm your host, Jeremiah Bear. Let's get into the show. What is going on? Welcome back to the show. Today, we have another Q&A. I am stoked to get into this one. We have some great questions, so let's just get this rolling. All right, so first question of the day. Is it okay to drink alcohol in moderation on a diet? All right, so there's this I I guess this isn't thrown out that often, but there's sometimes this thought that like, okay, when I'm dieting, I need to completely give up alcohol. Alcohol kills fat loss which really isn't the case. So the reality is it all still comes down to the size of the calorie deficit that you create. So if over the course of a week you are drinking alcohol, but you're still eating fewer calories than you're burning across the course of that week, you'll have lost fat. So fat or alcohol, excuse me, isn't going to directly impair your fat loss. Well, basically here's how it works. So when we drink alcohol, so in a way it does kind of directly impair your fat loss, but it's not as scary as you might think. So when we drink alcohol, basically your body views this as a poison. It wants to remove this alcohol from your system as quickly as possible. So let's say you are in a calorie deficit. So let's say today you've eaten 500 calories less than you burned and you're losing fat, right? The process of fat oxidation is going on. So then you have a drink. Now, when that hits your system, again, your body views that as a poison essentially. So its number one goal is to remove this alcohol from your system as quickly as possible. So for the time that it takes that drink to exit your system, which the actual time frame for this varies, I've heard one hour up to like six hours, it the reports on this vary a lot like as to how long this takes but whatever that time frame might be i would say a couple hours per drink is probably a good rule of thumb and while your body is processing that alcohol and getting it out of your system processes like fat oxidation or muscle growth essentially come to a halt so it does halt your progress for a couple hours that said, again, if you drink that alcohol doesn't push you out of the calorie deficit that you were in, so it doesn't push your calories over maintenance levels, you're not going to gain fat because of the alcohol. So, and the reality is for most people, we need like these different, <laughs> we need alcohol, we need these different lifestyle flexibility factors like, okay, you can go drink a couple glasses of wine or you can have some drinks with your friends this weekend. For most people, like, well, the reality is probably drinking, if we were to give somebody the most optimal plan in the world, it probably wouldn't include alcohol for fat loss because you would get a couple hours every week quicker progress. That said, we have to take into account the factor that Adherence is the most important part of all of this. That's literally the first thing I think about when I create your plan when you start online coaching. What can you realistically stick to? What are the things we need to make sure we leave in your plan so you can follow this long term? And for most people, that includes things like alcohol. So I think for many clients, when 
I think that many or many coaches, I should say, like when we're trying, we get too caught up in trying to create the absolute most optimal plan for clients and like, oh, don't drink alcohol, don't drink all these foods. And the reality is long term, that's preventing the client from ever creating the lean, strong body that they want. Whereas it might take like over the course of a diet, maybe it does take you like all your drinks combined. Maybe it does take you an extra 84 hours to get to your end goal for fat loss over the course of time that just doesn't matter that much and you could actually follow through with the diet because we made it more sustainable for you and we actually made it fit your lifestyle so alcohol does for a very short period of time yes inhibit your fat loss but again as long as we control for calories then it's not that big of a deal. Now, really for most people, how alcohol actually kills fat loss is drunk eating afterwards. So, and if you follow me on social media, if not, shameless plug, follow me at Jeremiah Bear. I don't know what you're doing if you don't follow me already, but um, this is why most of my clients, like when we know you're going out to drink, especially in a fat loss phase, this is something I always do, but especially in a fat loss phase, This idea of a pre-drinking meal is very important. So basically a very high volume meal. It's a lot of fiber and a lot of lean protein. The two most filling foods, but very low fat. So overall, it's still very low calorie. So this could be something like a sweet potato with some super lean, like 93 or 97% ground beef on top of it. By the time we've eaten that, we're going to be pretty full. You're going to stack that right before you go out to have a couple drinks or whatever, because we know like the strategy that many people take for drinking is I'm going to save up a ton of calories all day. Then I'm going to go have some drinks. So I'll have plenty of room for my alcohol. But the reality is if we go into it like that, if we're famished, then you start drinking one, you're just going to get drunk super quick. Um, and two, your willpower by the end of the night is going to be so much lower, especially as we keep drinking inhibition lowers that odds are you're going to smash like half a pizza at the end of the night. Then your calories are going to be way over the goal. So then alcohol has indirectly inhibited your fat loss a lot more than it would if you just had a few drinks and if you had this pre-drinking meal beforehand. So the pre-drinking meal is a good rule of thumb there as well. Kind of off on a different tangent now, but Yes, you can drink alcohol in moderation on a diet. All right, next question. How would you go about programming for a client training five times per week who wanted to build her glutes? All right, so this is actually something that I work with quite often. Um, Okay, so five times a week, first and foremost, I would set this up as a lower, upper, lower, upper, lower split. So we're gonna be hitting the lower body with three times a week frequency. Basically, I would make the first lower body day of the week a little bit more hinge dominant. So you could start it off with like a heavy deadlift or honestly, if their goal, if the client's goal is specifically just hypertrophy, they don't care so much about getting strong, it would probably make more sense to actually not include like a traditional like barbell or sumo deadlift because those are for for hypertrophy. Now, I like deadlifts in most of my clients' programs because they just make people feel like badasses and they are a great movement for strength. It's fun to just pick heavy shit up off the floor and it is very rewarding to see your... um to see your deadlift progress. Again, nothing makes you feel like more of a badass, except for maybe like weighted chin-ups. But um, outside of that, like if we're talking about a client that has purely aesthetic goals, doesn't care about functionality at all, then it probably would be smarter to actually not include 
a deadlift at all. And maybe we would do like a Romanian deadlift, for example. So, I mean, we still have deadlifts in there, but it's not a deadlift from the floor. Because again, those are a lot more fatiguing for the amount of stimulus that we get out of them. Not really a great movement for hypertrophy. So basically, I would set it up. Day one would be a heavy hinge day. Day two would be so more focusing in on your posterior. Day two, the second lower day, excuse me, would be a more squat pattern focused day. So a more anterior focused lower body day. That so basically we'd probably start with a squat pattern instead of a hinge pattern. But that said, we would still shift that to be more of a um glute dominant squat pattern. So maybe it is a Bulgarian split squat with a forward lean and we're pushing through the heel. Maybe it's like a sumo squat or a sumo squat to a box, something like that, where again, we can make it more glute dominant. Maybe it's just a low bar back squat. And then the third lower body day of the week. Now, the thing is with when we're training upper, lower, upper, lower, upper, or lower, upper, lower, upper, lower, this five times a week, upper, lower, or lower, upper approach, we do have to be smart with exercise selection and intensity. So by the time we're getting to this third lower body day of the week, the client has already put quite a bit of stress on their system. So if we just keep smashing the client with lots of very fatiguing multi-joint movements, then they're going to wear out very quickly. They won't be able to progress across the course of months like we want to actually see solid progress. So coming into this day, again, we'll focus on movements with good stimulus to fatigue ratio, I should say. So again, here we'll probably focus on things like um, maybe we'll start with a barbell hip thrust and then we'll get into like some abduction work. Maybe we do like cable pull throughs, some line leg curls, different movements like that that are great for hypertrophy again, but the stimulus to fatigue ratio is solid. So here, I actually like this question so much that I made a whole infographic about it as well, which I posted, what, Wednesday, which has a great breakdown of this. But basically how we look at this when we're programming for clients that want to make maximal glute gains, and this is actually a system that I stole from Brett Contreras, so full disclosure, like he deserves all the credit for this. But basically, we can split our movements up into three different categories. We have our glute movements. We have stretchers, activators, and pumpers. So stretchers are movements that create a lot of muscle damage. We don't want to train them more than once to twice a week. So these are movements like different deadlift variations, Romanian deadlifts, Bulgarian split squats, lunges, reverse lunges, back squats, front squats, and landmine squats. So here again, we want to train these one to two times a week. Uh, six to 15 reps is probably a good mark and one to three reps left in the tank for the most part. So the majority of our first two lower body days are going to be two to three stretchers each probably. From there we have activators. I would, I would say we'll probably do two stretchers. So like day one could be some type of deadlift variation and let's say a glute dominant split squat or a reverse lunge. Day two could be Day two lower body could be some type of squat variation. And then let's say like a Romanian deadlift, for example. 
All right, and then we have activators. So these we can train a little bit more frequency because they don't put near as much stress on your system, specifically on the spine. So there's less axial loading here, generally. Now, of course, that's different with when we're talking about like lunges, things like that. But overall, there's less stress on your system. We can train these more often. So these are things like barbell hip thrust, barbell glute bridges, back extensions, step ups, cable pull throughs, um, cable kickbacks, weighted frog pumps. Again, we can train these two to three times a week at eight to 20 reps. So sprinkled out through all three of our lower body days, I would have at least two activators there. Yeah, I'd have at least two activators there likely. Um, Actually, we'll say one to two through the first two days. And then the majority of our third training day is going to be activator movements like this, our third lower body training day. And again, in the eight to 20 rep range. And then finally, we have pumpers. So these are just light movements. They don't create much muscle damage at all. We do get a good muscle pump from them. Obviously, they burn, but we can train them very frequently, three to four times a week. So these are movements like band sumo walks, um, bodyweight frog pumps, banded clams, feet elevated glute, glute bridges, um, seated band abductions, band hip thrust, different things like that. So here I would sprinkle these in to finish the session every day. So three times a week and we could even like add one of these to an upper body day to add a little bit more volume to finish there. So typically we'll train these in the 15 to 30 rep range. And again, we want to take these relatively close to failure, about one to three reps left in the tank. But that in a nutshell, a very big nutshell is how I would program for a client. Well, how I would program the glute portion of their training. And then, of course, your upper body work just follows smart upper body programming principles. So we don't really need to dive too deep into that. Now, this is the perfect time actually to plug my eight-week program that is dropping soon, depending on COVID-19, because I do want to make sure everybody's gyms are open. So if you get your hands on this, you can actually run this. But if you're someone that's been working out for years, but you still don't look like you train, this is the program for you. If you're a coach and you have no idea how to actually program for your clients and you're sick of feeling, or yourself, if you're sick of feeling insecure in your programming abilities, this program will teach you so much. And again, it will give you amazing results. If you're someone that just goes to the gym without a plan at all, you don't have any structure to your training, you know you're leaving a lot of results on the table, again, this program is a great fit for you. You have the option of a three times a week fat loss split or a four times a week functional hypertrophy split. So basically it'll help you build a lot of lean muscle and aesthetics. That said, both of these programs are designed to help you build functional strength and help you achieve your aesthetic goals. They're delivered through the True Coach app, which is the exact software I use with my one-on-one -on -one online coaching clients. There's form videos for everything. I have written cues, progressions across all eight weeks. I designed this to be the most effective and engaging training program you've ever run. Now, when I open these programs up, there are limited spots. And once these spots are filled, this is not something I'm going to be opening again. So hit the link in the show notes to hop on the wait list for these eight week programs. And that is enough shameless plugging for right now. Let's go ahead and hop right back into the Q&A. All right, last question. How do you know if a client is ready for a calorie deficit? All right, so 
there is kind of this, this is something that I feel has gotten kind of convulted by the fitness industry. Industry. There's all these ideas out there like, if my client is overly stressed, they won't be able to lose fat. That said, physiologically, stress isn't going to directly inhibit your fat loss. So the reality is there's like in these roundabout ways, like, and Sam Miller and I talked about this on the podcast I did with him. Um, in roundabout ways, like, okay, stress, when we were stressed, we'll release more cortisol, which in turn will cause more of the release of ghrelin, the hunger hormone. So you might be a little bit hungrier. Or when we're stressed, again, the cortisol curve can kind of flip and we'll have a hard time sleeping. So therefore, we're expending less energy across the course of a day. So being more stressed could make fat loss slightly harder. But again, it's not going to directly like if your client is eating in a calorie deficit, which again, like what a deficit is for the client is going to be dependent on like these different factors that again, stress impacts, like if stress is decreasing their knee across the day, so their daily movement across the day because they're tired, so they're moving less, then what it takes for them to be in deficit will also be less. But again, if your client is eating a deficit, they are going to lose fat regardless. Um, that said again, like different life situations like this can make it harder. Like uh, such a good example is one of my clients right now that was in a cut literally just yesterday, we decided to end her fat loss phase because she's a very social person. She pulls a ton of her energy and happiness from being around people. So with the COVID situation, with her still being on quarantine, just it was already very taxing on her mentally. And that paired with the diet, which as you know, is already a very low energy kind of a very low energy state to be in because you're literally just taking in less energy. And this client is already a very lean individual. We were pushing her to get even leaner. So like right now, all these social aspects were already making her just like being in a good mood, being positive, being excited about what she was doing, very challenging. That paired with the fact that she was in a diet, which again, in itself is very challenging in the best of circumstances, especially when we're pushing to get as lean as she was pushing to get it just adds up to a lot to handle. So like that was a situation where I made the call. Well, we we collaborated together to decide like, hey, now the reality is now probably just isn't the best time to diet. Like we're seeing motivation dip. We're talking about all these external factors going on that are really impacting your life, impacting your happiness and your ability to adhere to this a lot. Now, again, it's not because anything physiologically was going on with her that is actually stalling fat loss, but all these external psychological factors can really come into play here. So I'm kind of getting off on a random tangent here again, but the point of this is it kind of gets overplayed like from a physiological perspective, like your client doesn't have all these things on point, so they're not ready for a fat loss phase. That said, we do have to realize for individuals that have gotten super, super lean. So for example, if you have a client that just got ready for a photo shoot or a client that just got done with a bodybuilding show, they're probably not in the best position to hop back into a diet. Because we do know that the recovery of many of your hormones like testosterone and the recovery of your metabolism to an extent, different things like this, after we get that lean, do take time. So this is a very different situation if we're talking about like an individual that's feeling pretty fluffy right now and they wanna get lean 
versus an individual that just got super lean and maybe it's been like a month. So we do know that it can take up to around six months for those hormones to recover. So that's the one situation I would say where, and I mean, it does depend because it's not just this, it's this whole ecosystem of things that impact, like if a client will be able to adhere to the diet or not. So like the reality is often if people are in a very stressful time in their lives, it's often not just the realistically the best time for them to try to diet. Now that said, it's not because stress in itself is going to like directly put the brakes on their fat loss, but in a roundabout way it can. So that said, if you look at my three P fat loss model, the first P of that is prepare. We have this whole prepare phase, which I take clients through before we actually push you into the fat loss phase. Now, some of this is to make sure that you're physiologically ready. So one of the first things we look at is, are you recovered from your previous diet? So again, if you just got super lean, you're probably not ready to diet again. We want to make sure your hormones, your metabolism have taken time to recover before we push you to lose fat again. Because again, while it's not going to be impossible, it will be harder than if you're starting a diet in a good place. From there, we want to make sure you're consistently eating satiating food. Basically, we want to make sure you're consistently hitting your target protein intake, and most of your choices are whole foods. You know how to build your meals around protein and fiber. This just helps tremendously because if your diet, like I always use the example of myself back in the day when I would diet, and I was literally just consuming Chipotle protein shakes and whiskey and some wine in there too. But um, the point of that is like, those weren't very satiating foods for me. I was constantly hungry. So if your client is going into the diet, but they don't have a good understanding of how to select satiating foods that will make sticking to the diet easier, they're going to have a bad time. Also, we have to make sure the client understands and is consistent with tracking their food accurately. Because otherwise, if the client isn't tracking accurately, doesn't know how to track accurately, they'll be in a frustrating position very quickly where they are not losing fat despite being on the diet. And that's because maybe they're missing meals, maybe they're missing whole days, or maybe they just don't understand how to track their food accurately. So it looks like, yo, I am only eating a thousand calories and I'm still not losing fat. When the reality is you just didn't take the time to educate them on how to track accurately. Um, we also need to make sure that the client can consistently hit their daily movement goal. Because we know NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis, is a huge part of fat loss. So often if we don't account for your knee in a fat loss phase, so if we don't account for your movement outside of the gym, well, the reality is no matter what, um, for most people, it depends on the individual how, and this is this idea of adaptive versus rigid metabolisms, but different individuals respond differently to overfeeding or underfeeding. So basically some people see a big decrease or increase in movement, a big increase in movement when we feed them more, a big decrease in movement when we feed them less. And this is movement outside the gym. So different things like fidgeting, pacing, blinking, all this weird little shit that adds up to a lot of calories burned across the course of a day. Some people, when we put them on a diet and calorie intake is less, without even realizing it, they drastically cut down all those little movements that burn a lot of calories. So this puts you in a very frustrating situation where you are eating less, but you're also still not losing. Now, these are typically individuals that 
no matter what, their weight just kind of seems to stay at the exact same place. Typically, these people will have a harder time gaining weight, but also a harder time losing weight. So their weight doesn't fluctuate a ton. Um, It very consistently stays around the same place. So the point of all this is, well, we can't account for how many times you blink in a day. Having some type of movement goal does help a lot to make sure there's not a drastic drop off in movement. Um, I also really like to address the mindset with clients because the reality is if your client goes into this thinking, okay, I'm going to be perfect for the next 12 weeks. I'm not going to eat one thing off plan, which if you're giving your clients like a specific, like only eat these foods, that's a whole nother conversation. (laughs) But, um, if they feel like if clients go into this with the all or nothing mindset, again, we're kind of setting them up for failure or they're setting themselves up themselves up for failure because without a doubt there will be at least one day where maybe they eat some extra calories maybe they miss their macros maybe they don't hit their protein goal and if we haven't addressed already like it's not all or nothing it's about what you do most of the time being on point 80 to 90 percent of the time not 100% of the time. Really, nobody has ever gone through coaching and been perfect. We need to address that beforehand. So, Because otherwise, if clients are in this all or nothing mindset, then they'll get into the, well, fuck it, I already messed up. What's the point of any of this, right? So that's something that's very important to proactively address. And then finally, and most importantly, we need to make sure that the diet structure we're assigning our clients actually fits their lifestyle and goals. Again, the most optimal plan doesn't matter if it's not fit to you. And this is with my new online clients. This is literally what our entire initial call is built around. What different factors of your lifestyle do we need to take into account? What can you realistically stick to long-term? Now that said, like once we work through this process of the onboarding, then like initially after you've onboarded a client, you'll have a pretty good idea of right out of the gate, like how long they might need in this prepare phase. For some clients, it's a week. For some clients, it's literally three months of just getting all these habits dialed in. Are you eating enough protein? Are you tracking accurately? Are you moving? Different things like that. But the reality is like without these foundations, we aren't setting our clients up for success long-term. The reality of the prepare phase is if you teach a client these habits and make sure they're solidified, no matter what, they will have a lifetime of success, regardless of if they're still working with you or not, because these are essentially all the habits we need in place to maintain results long term. So well, it's not a quick fix and selling clients on the idea of, yeah, we're going to take these first couple of weeks to maybe even like a month to not lose weight. Long term, it pays off such big dividends. All right. So that is all we have for questions for today. Now, before I let you go, do me one quick favor. If you enjoyed this show, if you enjoyed this episode, screenshot it, share it to your Instagram story and tag me at Jeremiah Bear. One, I want to connect with you and thank you for listening. And two, you're really helping me grow the reach of the show. So together we can impact more people. And that is all I have today. Thanks for tuning in.